This is the word of the Lord. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Let's go to the Lord once again. Heavenly Father, as we turn now to the preaching of your word, Father, I pray that you will have your way with us. Lord, open our ears, open our hearts to your truth. May you be glorified and may this church be edified. God, I pray that we will see how awesome you are this morning, how desperate in need for your grace we are, and how beautiful and lovely your Son is. Oh God, may we treasure Christ above all this morning. Father, I pray that as I preach that I will not preach in error, but I will be faithful to your word this morning and your people will hear. And Father, we will be strengthened to walk in your ways, not our own. Thank you, Lord. It's in your name. Amen. Earlier this past week, my family and I watched a film, we finished watching a new video entitled American Gospel, Christ Crucified. It's a tremendous video that shows the reasons why Christ died on the cross, standing in our place, dying for the payment of sin. And it shows how much the church needs to stand for that truth and not waver from that truth. It is a well done video and I recommend it to you if you haven't already seen it. You can easily find it on Amazon and YouTube. It's actually part two of the American Gospel films. The first one was American Gospel Christ Alone. That film, it shows the fake gospels that are out there like the prosperity gospel, and urges the church to hold on to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ that's only found in Scripture. Both films are well worth your time. And what's really good about both films is not just the quality of the video, it's what it's based on. It's not just men's opinions and they go back and forth and they just do a really good job of putting everything together. It's what it's based on. It's based on and they explore Scripture. They base the entire American gospel films on God's Word. What does God say in His Word? Scripture guides the discussion and determines what the church ought to be all about. 
Well, that's exactly what the Apostle Paul has been telling Timothy in his letter. For the last several Sundays, we've been in chapter 3 where Paul said, Live the godly life in Christ and expect persecution for it. And in order to do it, you have to continue in the sacred writings, which is the Bible. Only Scripture can make you wise for salvation in Christ. It's only in Christ. It's Christ alone. Him crucified in your place, taking the punishment for your sin and giving you a new, wonderful life in Him. One that's granted by God and kept by His grace and his love. Last week we saw this life in Christ is a life that is grounded in the scriptures. That scripture is a treasure to a believer. We're told that the Bible is profitable to us. There's great gain for us who live according to the Bible. And the Bible is Words, it's a collection of God's words and it's literally God breathed. These are the reasons why Christians have such a high view of the Bible. And while Paul is writing to Timothy, he's not just writing for Timothy's sake, he's not just giving it for him and his ministry. It was expected for Paul's letter to be read to the Ephesian church. The church hearing that the Bible equips God's people for every good work. All of us who are of Christ, we need the Bible. It is food for us in our new life in Christ. If you were in the Ephesian church when this was read, you would have seen that it was not just a chapter and verse book. This was a letter being read to you. And after hearing the eternal value of Scripture, Paul then immediately turns to the preaching of Scripture. There would not have been a break in that. You would have heard the treasure of Scripture, and Paul then leads right in to the preaching of Scripture, a high view of the Bible leads to a high view of preaching the Bible, emphasizing what God says in the worship service. In fact, we could say that if there's no preaching of God's Word when the church gathers on Sunday, then the church just becomes another gathering and it's not concerned with what God has to say. And that is harmful because the church will cease to exist without the word of God. God's word is what worship is based on. That's how we know what worship is. It comes from God's word. God defines it for us. And God has the sermon as the centerpiece of the worship service. 
Because it's most important to hear what God has to say to us. We don't worship and then we sit down and we listen to a message. We are still worshiping right now as the word is being preached and you are receiving God's word. That is worship. The preaching of God's word, receiving and listening to it. It is an act of worship and it is to be central to the worship service. Worship is incomplete without the preaching of God's word. Sadly, there are gatherings when preaching is no longer emphasized. For some, preaching has become a form of motivational speaking, a word to you to make you feel better about you. And sometimes even churches will forgo preaching and do a movie or meet in another place and do community service, neither of which replaces preaching in the worship service. There is no substitute for the preaching of God's word. There is no substitute for you to receive God's word together with God's people. Faith does not come through positive thoughts or through doing works. Saving faith only comes through hearing the word of God. And that is what preaching is to do. It is to give you the words of God. Paul has said there must be the right handling of truth, not just in personal study, But it applies to this morning and every Lord's Day when the church gathers for worship. God's Word ought to be rightly handled. It ought to be the basis of the Christian life. And as such, we then seek to understand what preaching is and why it's so necessary and crucial for us. Our text this morning gives us that. There are a number of key words and phrases in our passage that we need to make note of. And if you mark your Bibles, you can underline these. Words like, I charge you. Preach the word. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Sound teaching and itching ears. Suiting their own passions turning away from the truth and wandering off. These are serious words. They are life and death words. Like Jesus says, let them who have ears hear this word this morning. Heeding the words in this text, obeying them, is the difference between saving faith and empty rhetoric that falls far short. What's at stake here with preaching is the very doctrine of the church. What's going to be the substance of this church? Where's the church going to get its direction and its strength from? What is this church going to be all about? Well, we won't find any of those answers in culture. 
An honest look at culture shows it's constantly in search of the truth and never finding it. And all the roads that they're on, it lead to nowhere. You can look to your own heart, but you're going to come up, fall short of any answer. You can't look to your own heart because your heart is what leads you away from God. It is constantly being pulled in other directions. The only source for truth and direction is God's Word. The true church of Christ looks to God and His Word and will always take His Word to heart. Without it, the Christian life is impossible. And what that means for you and I this morning is that we need God's Word. We need God's Word preached to us. Paul had warned Timothy that in these latter days, evil men and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. What's the solution against that kind of attack against the church? How will the church stay on course through the life of the church? Paul says it only happens, it only is possible by having Scripture as the basis of our gatherings. And in that, the preaching and the ministry of God's Word safeguarding us, building us up. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a pastor in the last century, once said the purpose of preaching is to give men and women a sense of God and His presence. Think about that for a second. Preaching is given to men and women to give them a sense of God and His presence. You can't get that through sound bites on social media or some man-centered teaching. The preacher is there to give you a message from God. Martin Lloyd-Jones went on to call preaching logic on fire. Logic on fire, giving you truth, God's truth, with the urgency in which you need to hear it. More specifically, he points out preachers are ambassadors of Christ who share the magnificence of the gospel and the love and the glory of Christ. Preachers are to give you more of God in a way that you understand and you respond. So what we see here in our text is the Apostle Paul charging Timothy and all pastors to move beyond the superficial anecdotes of life that you can find anywhere and everywhere else and lead the church to feast on the life-giving words from God. That is what should happen here every Sunday when we gather. There ought to be a feast among us us, God's people. There ought to be a feast of God's words going on. Pastors are to preach God's word for the good of the church and for the glory of God. 
If we're going to be a church that glorifies and honors God, we must be a church that holds on to the Bible, even if it's unpopular. We need to be a church that stands and proclaims the goodness and the truth of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And it needs to be proclaimed right here from this pulpit. And for that, preaching then needs to be expositional preaching. What I mean by that is that preaching needs to be simple explaining of the text. It needs to be given in a simple and clear way for you to learn more of God and worship Him for it. By applying what you hear to your life, applying it to your family, and helping the church to share it well. You need the pure essence of God's Word to grow in your faith and to see more of the glory of God. There are four points here that Paul wants us to receive. Four points that he lays out for us, all of them this morning, beginning with the letter D to keep it simple for us and easy to remember. And all of them, all four points, have to do with preaching. Number one is the divine audience. The divine audience. Before it's anything else, preaching is for the audience of one. Notice how Paul begins in verse 1. I charge you, and he's talking to Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by His appearing in His kingdom. R.C. Sproul, another pastor, biblical pastor and theologian who passed away just a few years ago, always used the phrase quorum Deo. It's a Latin phrase that means before the face or in the presence of God. That is what Paul is getting across to Timothy and all pastors, all preachers. It is to be quorum Deo, in the presence of God. Before the preacher ever opens his mouth, and before you ever receive the words... It is first and foremost an act of worship to God. There is nothing in this church. There's nothing in any other ministry. There's nothing in this life that is done outside of the presence of God. And this is most definitely true when His Word is being preached. Preaching is done in the presence of of God. Because of this, the charge that Paul gives to Timothy and all preachers by that extension, it's a serious charge. It's weighty. It has eternal ramifications because God is an, an eternal being and thus His words have eternal value and eternal weight. It's a readiness that the preacher must have knowing that the eternal honor and glory of God Himself is being put on display. The pastor should not take his task lightly or flippantly. He has to answer to God for what he's about to say. 
at the beginning of my notes for every sermon, I remind myself of this question. Am I only concerned about what those who are hearing me are receiving God's Word? Are you only concerned about what I'm saying? Is that where my focus is? Or am I concerned about what God thinks about what I'm going to say? For sure, I want to be relatable to you and anyone hearing this sermon. I want to be relatable. I want more people to hear the truths that are being preached. But first and foremost, whatever is preached from this pulpit is first and foremost worship to God. Paul is telling every preacher we need to be first concerned with God and be faithful to Him and His Word before anything else. Our God is a God who's always there. He's always watching. He's always listening. And preaching His Word must therefore honor Him. As if this isn't enough for Timothy and every preacher, Paul includes Christ. Now Paul is not making a distinction between God and Christ. The Jehovah's Witness always gets this wrong. Every time they come to our door, we discuss it. Paul is not making a distinction between God and Christ. He's not mentioning them as if they're two separate beings. This is the same as his introduction at the beginning of the letter when he introduced God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Only God can be Lord. So Paul is not making a distinction here between God and Christ. They are one in essence, two persons of the Trinity. They are witnesses to the preaching. As God the Spirit inspires the preacher and leads the preacher in the preaching of His Word, the Father and the Son are present as witnesses. God is the one who both speaks through His Word and He is the main and most important audience of it. In this reality of preaching, in the presence of Jesus Christ, in Coram Deo, there are three eternal truths that are given about Jesus Christ that should set every preacher on a direct path, a laser focus on the glory of Jesus Christ. Paul reminds us that preaching is done in the presence of Christ, who is the judge of the living and of the dead. During His earthly ministry, Jesus said this in John 5, For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Preaching is done to a people who will one day be judged. And it's not the Father, it's the Son who will be judged. The One who gave Himself up, who sacrificed Himself on the cross. The One who has all authority of heaven and earth. Who has dominion over all things. He is the One who is present. Will preachers be faithful to Christ? 
Will I be faithful to Christ? This is to all preachers, but it's not just to preachers. Will you be faithful to Christ? Will you help ensure that only He is glorified from this pulpit? Paul understood this. That's why he said in 1 Corinthians 9.16, Woe to me if I do not preach Christ crucified. If I do not preach the Gospel. In this charge of preaching in the presence of Christ, Paul gives us how often... It is to be preached this way. He gives us a timeline. How long does preaching need to be that's Christ-centric and God-glorifying, remembering His presence? Until Christ returns. Until His appearing. And He ushers His people home and there's judgment for those who resist Him. This Redeemer who will judge the living and the dead, is also king. This is the third aspect of Jesus Christ. He is the judge. He is coming again. And He's also king. And this is the third aspect we need to remember about preaching. It's not just a here and now. This is not just a message about your life today. It can't be that if it's going to honor Christ. For the church, we can't have preaching that's only consumed with the ministries of the church today. There has to be another aspect. These days that you and I live, they have a beginning and an end. The sun rises and the sun sets on each of these days. But one day, when the king returns, it will be the consummation of all that the church longs for. It will be a day that will not end. It will be a day where the sun will not set. And the king in his glory will reign forever. And the sermon that you receive ought to have that day in mind. We are always forward-looking to Christ and His return and the consummation of His kingdom. These aspects of Christ ought to be embedded somehow that's appropriate in the sermons that you hear. If you're not, if you're not receiving a sermon that has those aspects to it, be wary of it. By God's grace, they will be here at Redeemer until our Lord returns. And His presence is not just spiritual, it is a full reality and preaching is no longer necessary. It's a solemn task to preach. It ought to capture the soul, the inner part of every preacher. It's not to be taken lightly and it's not to be diminished by other things. And while I know that not everyone here is a preacher, this also speaks to the church. Every person should come to receive a sermon expecting to receive a message that is an act of worship before God and is Christ-centered and is given in anticipation and a longing 
for His return. Preaching first has a divine audience. Next, it is a decisive charge. A divine audience, now a decisive charge. Make no mistake what preaching is to consist of. We don't have to guess. God never leaves us on our own wondering, trying to figure things out on our own. We don't have to guess or fill in the blanks or come up with fancy slogans. It's a waste of time trying to get people and attract them with all these different fancy slogans. God has made it very clear what should be preaching. And it's in verse 2. Preachers are to preach. It says preach the Word. Preach the Word. Preaching is to have an unwavering commitment to what God has to say. No matter how popular it is in life. Preaching is to have an unwavering commitment to the Scriptures. It is a decisive call to herald the Word of God. Today, it's important to say what preaching the Word of God is not. We need clarity today. I've already mentioned that preaching is not a motivational speech. It's a waste of time For you and for me to sit and listen to preaching that's going to focus on you and your abilities. That's not preaching the Word. Because you cannot save yourself. You don't need to hear about your abilities. You need to hear about Christ. You need to hear about His glory, what He has accomplished. You need to hear about His power and His grace and His never-ending love. Nor is preaching political commentary. Now, politics has its place. It affects all of our lives. And while it may help to mention the politics of the day, it should only be mentioned to help drive home to you the points of Scripture. Politics should only be included as it fits into the passage that's being preached. Nor is preaching a time for theater. It's not a a half-hour show for you. It's not a half-hour of storytelling. Again, we don't have to guess what preaching should be. Verse 2 is very clear. Preaching the Word. And preaching the Word should then consist of three things. Isn't that amazing of God? He does not leave us scrambling around trying to figure things out. He tells us what to do, and then He says, this is what it consists of. When you preach the Word, it consists of three things. And not only consists of these three things when preaching, this is the manner in which you are to do it. God is very clear to us. Preaching three things that consist of reproof, rebuke, and exhortation. And it's to be done with patience and teaching. It's 
since the word of God is what makes us wise for salvation through faith in Christ, and faith comes by the hearing of the word, that means preaching ought to lead us to repentance of sin. Preaching ought to lead to repentance of your sin. If sin and the gospel are not mentioned in the sermon, then it's simply not preaching. We preach Christ crucified, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1.23. It doesn't do your soul or your body or your person any good if I were to stand up here and entertain you every week in my preaching. That's not what you need. You need Christ. You need Christ preached to you every week. You need to hear and be reminded of the Gospel. You need to hear what He's done on your behalf. How He stood in your place. He took the wrath of God for you. Taking the punishment for all who believe. That is what you need to hear. Even if you're saved, your sin is still at war within you and you need to hear the Word of God. You need to hear the Word preached. That's how God means to work His grace in you and in the life of your family and in this church. Sometimes we all need to hear truth that convicts us and leads us to confession of our sin. Our ungodliness needs to be pointed out. We need to be reminded of God's commands for our lives and our church and be encouraged to stand firm in the Word no matter what. There's a number of today's preachers who have left the Scriptures because they think in order to get more people into their building, they need to speak about other things or what these people are into. Paul Washer says plainly, if you get people to come using carnal means, you'll need to use carnal means to keep those people. Thinking that preaching in an unoffensive way that attracts more people abandons the truth of Scripture. It does not honor God. It does not It does not fit what worship is. And then in the end, it doesn't do anyone any good. It will not help a single person. Even if there are good, positive things being said to you, to anyone from the pulpit to the congregation, if all it is is about this temporary life, in the end, it doesn't do you any good. The intent of preaching is not to feel good about ourselves. It's to be saved in and led to the goodness of Christ. It's to have the weight of our sin and our shame revealed to us and then lifted off of us by God's grace and His never-ending love in Christ. We don't hold anything back. The whole counsel of God is to be preached. 
It's food for the soul. It's good and it's joy for our hearts. It's the way our gaze are lifted up to the eternal love of Christ and how we're transformed to be with Him forever. And it's to be done in patience because because simply change is slow. It's to be done in patience because it's it's hard for our, for our physical bodies, who we are, our natural selves that we war against, it's hard for that old man to lay down. So preaching the Word that points you to Christ is to be preached with patience. And we're also told how often we are to receive the preached Word of God. All the time, it says, plainly. In season and out of season. We are to preach Christ. You are to receive Christ preached all the time. The Word of God is to be proclaimed whether it's convenient or not. Preaching the Word that points you to Christ should be given from this pulpit whether I feel like sharing it or you feel like hearing it. In season and out of season. What's eternally good for you and necessary for me or anyone who stands here is that the Word of God is preached faithfully and persistently. So preaching is first to a divine audience. There is a decisive charge to preach the Word of God and nothing else. Next, there's the desperate need. The desperate need. Look with me again, if you will, at verses 3 and 4. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wandering off into myths. Oftentimes this passage is read, And it's received as if it's meant for other people. Those who are outside of the faith or those who are outside of the church. But we need to remember who this letter was first read to. Who was this letter read to? It was written to Timothy, the pastor of the church. And it was read to the Ephesian church. This warning here, this passage in verses 3 and 4 are meant for you and me. It's meant for you and me. They are for us. You and I need to take heed of these verses. The time is coming, and it's here now, when people will not endure sound teaching. Attention spans will not endure. Preaching will seem boring and unrelated to these people. The Word will not sit well with people. They'll be offended by it and not want to hear it. There is a human battle and it's seen everywhere today. It's seen on TV, social media, the internet, the radio. It's in books, every form of media and communication. It's ravaged by those who tickle ears who give people what they think they want to hear. 
They give them cheap words that can be sat there and nothing done with those words. Telling people what they want to hear. Telling them about their own greatness and their own goodness. Leading them all the time away from the truth and filling them with ungodly, sinful passions. That is precisely why the Word of God must be preached and why you must receive it. You and I are in the midst of this life and are bombarded all the time with falsehoods. The flesh in each of us doesn't want the truth. Your flesh fights Scripture. People naturally are repulsed by the truth. But it's the truth that brings us to the end of ourselves and reminds us of our desperate need for Christ. Of our desperate need for God's mercy and His love that's only found in Christ. This puts an urgency and a priority on preaching in the church. We all need the Word of God. Don't think that these verses are for some reason for those other people who don't have truth. This Word is for you and I this morning. It's to remind us Don't be captured by other things in life. Hold on to the Word of God. Demand that the Word of God is preached. This text says that essentially there are two paths. There are two paths. One path is of truth. This path of truth is filled with grace and love and conviction and confession. And the other one has myths and lies peddling the opposite of God's truth. And there's no way to bridge both paths. You can't have one foot in truth and then the other path in what feels good or what sounds nice to you or good to you. Because both paths lead in opposite directions. You are either on the path of God's truth where Jesus is, or you are on the path that feeds your flesh. Each path, each path has a form of preaching. The path of truth has preaching that upholds God's truth and saves the soul and the whole person, giving you more of Christ. The other feeds the flesh and leads condemned souls further and further and further away from Christ. Paul is telling Timothy and the church, make sure you're on the right path that leads to Christ. And the preaching you receive leads you to Christ. It's easy to recognize these paths. But if you're looking, if you're not looking, it's easy to be deceived because we were already told there are those who are deceived and who are deceiving. But it's easy to recognize which path that you're on. Which kind of preaching are you being given? The path of truth with with preaching that exalts Christ stands on Scripture alone. 
It's marked by Scripture. It gives you only God's Word. No other marks for it. That's a simple mark to, to, to look for in the preaching. Other preachers, theologians, they may be mentioned, like I already have. I've mentioned a few uh, faithful preachers. But their writings being referred or books being referred are given because they have a grounding in the Word of God and they help point you to Christ. Don't miss that. Don't miss the mark of Scripture on the path that leads you in the truth. Because the other path also has Scripture oftentimes. It often uses Scripture. But Christ is absent. That's the difference. Scripture is given to point you to Christ. Not to make you feel good. Not to build up the church. We're not about a logo or some marketing scheme in the church. It's all about Christ. On this other path, they may insert Scripture, but Christ is not the focus of the sermon. Your flesh is the focus on that other path. And that's not of God. The path leading to Christ has preaching that tells of your desperate need of Him and gives you more of Him. Be on that path. You be on the path that's in the Word of God and it's preached to you faithfully every single Sunday. The fourth point is found in verse 5. Preaching gives the distinct application for preaching. This word here in verse 5 gives the distinct application for preaching. This is the sum of what preaching is and why it's more than just giving a speech or offering advice to you. So we've already had the divine audience. It's first and foremost, preaching is given to a divine audience. It is also a decisive call, a decisive charge. We have the desperate need. And now we have the distinct application for preaching. Preaching gives you something that nothing else will. And it tells preachers keeping a level head, enduring hardship, sharing the good news of Christ to as many people who will listen, fulfilling the ministry of the church, building it up by being the mouthpiece of God. So worship will take place in the church, not just in the church service, but in the life of the church. This is distinct from everything else, whether it be in the church or outside of the church. There is nothing else like preaching. You need preachers who are serious about the word, who dedicate their lives to the study, who want to show you Christ. You need them to be focused and immersed in the word before anything else for you. Beloved, my prayer for you is that you see preaching as not advice, 
I don't stand up here every week. Whoever will be in this pulpit does not stand here just giving you suggestions to consider, to weigh it with other inputs in your life. No preaching is a message from God that tells you more, tells you more about Him and His glory and tells you about yourself and your need of Christ. A preacher who is Christ-minded and Bible-based is the mouthpiece of God for you and the church. What is said in the pulpit is given to influence you. Not just as a suggestion, it is meant to help you in your walk of faith. It's to affect your thinking. It's to stir your affections for God like no other way can. Those who receive God's Word as truth receive His grace and His love and they're built up to live the godly life that's in Christ. It's only through the Word of God. It's only through the Word of God read and preached that you are able to endure in your faith Be on the lookout. Look out for that danger of wandering away. Don't be swept up by myths and lies. Hold on to the truth of Scripture and receive Christ week in and week out. Be willing to have your sin exposed to you. To be uncomfortable at times. To have your flesh restrained so that your soul can flourish and then affect your whole person. The charge to pastors is preach the Word. That means the charge to you is receive the Word. Preach the Word. Receive the Word. Receive solid, biblical, expositional preaching knowing it is what you need. Don't look to be entertained. Look to be transformed into the likeness of Christ no matter how hard that struggle is. Look to be turned and transformed into the likeness of Christ for His glory and your good. Your eternal good. It's through the Word and in faith. When the Word is preached and you receive it by His grace, That is an act of worship. And you worship Christ. Love Christ. Want more of Christ given to you and receive His truth. Let's pray.